Our dear Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for our study um, and for what we're learning in our new book of Daniel. And we just pray blessings on Michael as he teaches us. And may we be open to hearing what you would um, have for us. Um, what we think back to what the Israelites were going through at that time, uh, maybe very similar to uh, things that we have ahead. And we just pray, Lord, that uh, we'll learn the lessons um, and take away in our heart, in our head, uh, what it is that you want us to learn. Thank you for bringing us together. And uh, we ask these things in your name. Amen. 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 Can't hear you, honey. Thank you. There we go. I got to press go. the mute button there. Uh, I want to share a couple <laughs> of things with you this afternoon before we uh, get into Daniel. Uh, and Ann had brought up something, and, and, I, uh, and, and I want to share that, but Ann, I'm going to hold that over till next week. Uh, Ann had asked about maybe some principles or lessons learned or highlights from the prayer summit. I do want to share some of those with you. It's not real extensive, but uh, I'm going to hold that over till next week. Um, I have two things I want to talk to you about this, uh, this afternoon before we get started. Number one is, um, uh, uh John, John had, uh, called me and, and, uh, had graciously made an offer about being able to meet together and such. And let me tell you where we're at. And unfortunately I've become somewhat of an expert on this, not out of a desire to, but just out of a have to unfortunately. Um, we in Stanislaus County, you realize every county is different. Uh, the mm -hmm. state has these different levels based upon your ICU capacity, uh, how many uh, positives uh, you have for COVID-19, etc. Well, we're in the purple penalty box. We're, we're in the bottom. We're in the bottom of the basement. And we're in the most restrictive one uh, because of our, of our bad numbers. In fact, when I, um, and Anne, you, you might've heard this, Anne, when I talked, we interviewed the uh, uh, Bobby Moser from the health department on Friday. He told us that at that point, the county had zero ICU capacity, zero. Now it doesn't mean that all of those are COVID-19 uh, patients, of course, but it does mean that there was zero capacity. So uh, a lot of the state's decision on how far you can open up and such is based upon that. So anyway, we're, our numbers are not good. Uh, and so we're in the penalty box. So we're in the most restrictive uh, uh, lockdown there is set by uh, Governor Newsom and, and the California Health Department. Now, that said, uh, there have been a couple of lawsuits, and in response to that, Governor Newsom opened up things a little bit for congregations. Uh, you are actually right now in Stanislaus County, you're in violation of the law if you're meeting inside. Doesn't matter how many people you have. You're in Is violation. it a law, Mike? Is it a law or just a... I'm, that's no, confusing to I didn't think it was yeah. a law. Yeah, yeah, it is because under the law, the governor has the right to declare an emergency and under right. that emergency that carries uh, the, uh, uh, the weight of the law. And so uh, the law is because of okay. his declared emergency that uh, 
congregations with our situation in Stanislaus County with our numbers, uh, we are only allowed to meet outdoors. And with that, of course, masks and, and social distancing. Uh, so, and I know, and, and one of them's a old friend of mine, uh, pastor in town that's holding services inside his church. Uh, the deal is that uh, the sheriff has basically said, we got enough going on. I'm not going to go around citing and arresting people for violating these orders, but they are, they are the law. So uh, for me, it comes down to a crisis of conscience, especially because with the radio show now, I have a heightened level of appearance in, in, in the footprint of our region. And I can't be hypocritical. I, I'm a law and order guy. Uh, and <laughs> I don't like the law. I think it's dumb. That's a theological term. Uh, but if I'm going to be non-hypocritical, then I have to be true to myself before God and obey the law. Now, how far that goes is another thing. Uh, but I guess the, uh, the old, old adage is you got you to gotta decide on what hill you want to die on. Uh, and I don't want to die on this one. I don't have millions of dollars that I can spend in attorney, attorney's fees. And so as long as the law is you have to meet outdoors and masked, et cetera, et cetera, that doesn't really work uh, for us. So... For now, you like being at home anyhow for, on your radio, on your Zoom. Well, yeah, I yes. remember I come into Sunday morning with about two or three hours of sleep. And uh, so we have the morning service and then the afternoon service. And uh, I, I don't mind if it's legal to meet, but I'm not going to knock myself out to be hypocritical. Yeah. So anyway, the upshot is I feel I have to be true to myself and to God and, and to operate under the law. So for the moment, and we're 10 months into this thing, I think this is the 44th week that we've met on Zoom. Um, and like I said, although I don't like the law, I'm bound to uh, observe it. So for the moment, here we are. Uh so that the, I, I wanted you to know why we're not actively pursuing meeting together. And, and uh, I had uh, a conversation with John, and I know you're on the line here, John, very much appreciated his offer. Uh, it's just not something I can conscientiously um, do at this time. So Mike, I wanted to let you know that. Thank you. Mike, don't you think, uh, uh, I would say half of the churches are meeting uh, like Crosspoint has every window and door open and hemp filters. It's almost out of doors, but they meet every week. Matt's, uh, you know, downtown. I don't go because I, I don't feel comfortable inside right. yet. Even though I got my vaccine uh, this week, I, I think you have to, it's a fine line, isn't it? Well, and, and to be honest with you, Lee, I don't know that they know. 
that things have changed. See, the problem is we got to the level where you can meet inside at 25% capacity. A lot of, I think a lot of pastors are not paying attention, don't know, whatever, that we've been knocked down a a couple uh, marks and and we're down. Yeah. So I, you know, I think there are some that flat out don't know. And, you know, that, that may be the case as well. So, uh, and I was talking on Friday about the fact it's almost like a utopia, you know, I'm yearning for the utopia where we can meet together, you know, where Lori and I can go to a restaurant and eat together. And, and, and it's almost like this impossible dream that, you know, like we're Don Quixote charging the windmills, you know, it's just, uh, we That's will appreciate thing. things, Mike. I think I will yes. appreciate church a lot more than I did. And uh, and the only restaurant we absolutely. can go to for lunch is Verona's downtown that we, I mean, down in McHenry Village there. Some of the restaurants are open, but you know, you don't, I don't know the, the, what, what I should and shouldn't do to tell you the truth. What is, yep. you know, you just have to follow your conscience, I guess. Yeah. And there is a point at which, I will put my foot down and say, nope, sorry, willing to go to jail, willing to take the fine, et cetera. Uh, this isn't it. Not worth it. No. Uh, you know <laughs> no. what I'm saying? I, and I don't have, I mean, a lot of these bigger uh, congregations, they have attorneys and insurance that pays for all that. Well, I, I don't. That could just put us out of the house. No, and you just don't yeah. know. Yeah. All right. So anyway, I wanted to let you know, just so we, you know, once in a while, I want to let you know why we're doing what we're doing. So, you know, you're not, you're not wondering. Uh, the other thing, and, and this is something that uh, I would um, not so much right now as, as we're meeting, but as it occurs to you, I would like to ask for your prayers. We're only a week and a half into the radio show and already, um, we're being called names, uh, we're oh dear. being lied about. Um, my producer is being harassed. Uh, a guy a little mentally off call was using uh, uh, Facebook Messenger audio to call me up at 725 this morning and rail at me about uh, the fact that I used to be a big valley and and you know, in the past, uh, he, he said, a pastor, not, I don't know if it was there or somewhere else abused him. And, and, uh, so, I mean, he, he left me this long message and, you know, F this F that, and I'm going, all right. So the reason I'm telling you that is number one, the, the spiritual warfare is really heating up. Uh, and when you take on a talk show like this, you become what they call a public figure. And so by law, I have no recourse. Anybody can lie about me. Um, and I, I have no recourse because I'm now a public figure and I can't sue them. And I, I have no other recourse other than, you know, to pray that, that God will shut them up, which is a theological term as well. And so uh, I, I would just like to ask you for your prayers for protection uh, for myself, for my producer, his name is Mike as well, for Lori and our family. Uh, and then um, after this experience this morning, I'm not answering the phone. 
uh, right away anymore. And I am not, I am bowing out of using Facebook Messenger. And the only social media we're doing is for ABC and and the ministry and the radio show just to post things, but I'm not having any conversations. Uh, so if you notice that yeah. I'm not engaging on social media, it's to protect uh, myself and my family. Um, and it is not that I don't love you. I do all of you. And it, it's not that I'm trying to avoid you, but it, it's at the point now where I have to draw a line and for my welfare and the welfare of my family and my producer. It's amazing, uh, Mike. You're, yeah. you're getting harassed for, this is a secular show, isn't it? It's not yes. anything to do with, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm open about the fact that I'm a pastor. We had Darius Crosby on this past week, yes. uh, but it is not a religious show. It's not a Christian show. It's a secular show. Yes. So anyway, uh, if you if you need me, Please text me, uh, or you can leave a voicemail message or email me. Uh, I will get back to you, but I am not, you'll no. notice I'm not going to be answering live. And um, so if there's a little bit of delay, I apologize for that. But uh, so anyhow, I want you to know that so you don't feel like I'm ignoring you or whatever. I'm not. I'm just putting some protections in place, okay? So um, anyway, I just and wanted you can to always, be you okay. You can always that. reach out to me and I can probably, my husband usually picks up when I call. So I, if you need I answer to, my wife right away. Just want to let you know that. <laughs> if you need to, that is another alternative. Most all of yeah. you have my number. Right. Well, if so, I need to, I text you. You normally yeah, answer you do. text pretty quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm a text girl. <laughs> yeah. 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 So really, text is, this, is the is, best is way this the mic me. show? The mic show you're talking about? That the I mic saw show. Mike Deckler show, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. and Pastor Mike, uh, it's interesting. Uh, two things. Uh, I do know uh, you had mentioned, um, I don't know if you mentioned here or the first show, um, but anyway, you'd mentioned there wouldn't be a lot of Christian talk, belief talk, faith talk. Uh, Darius did quote, do a lot of, he even said he was preaching. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought, oh, Darius, don't do that. Because <laughs> I knew, you know, that, you know. But the only time we even know you're a pastor is when they introduce you. Because you've never yeah. said much of anything but yeah, there is those people that uh, probably like the guy that called you this morning that uh he wants to he's angry at all, everyone including right. it doesn't matter who and you do have to protect yourself from those kind of people yeah are and, you still and, taking calls at the radio program yes yeah that you're uh, doing a but they're screened. screening. My producer yeah. is screening them right now. Yeah. Very good. Very and, good. But you got uh, what three calls on Friday, honey? And and yeah. none of them and he, go on the he air. He rejected all of them. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, because they were they were way out in outer space somewhere, and and so he rejected all three. Uh, and and Brenda is uh, is has been trained by my producer. She'll be doing some call screening for me in the near future. 
Oh, all right. Uh, yeah. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what, what's interesting is, and, and I'll, I'll get to Daniel here in a minute. Uh, everything that goes on the air comes from here in our front room. Yeah. Everything, even the phones. And, uh, you know, they, they are put out over the internet and shared with Brenda or my producer, Mike. Uh, but there's one signal that comes from here that goes to the transmitter. And so it's, it's been a, it's, it's been a wild ride technically to develop all the internal systems that have to happen to make that. So that's been exciting for me. I enjoy technology and the yeah, challenge of yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it's been a little bit hairy getting it up and running, but I, I think we're hitting stride. So anyway, well, upshot Mike, of it is, go ahead. It's interesting because uh, Friday, Friday you talked about not taking offense. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and then I've, uh, you've said in the past, uh, being a policeman, I mean, you can't take offense or else you would probably have been offended your first day <laughs> and yeah. every day after. Yeah. So you've got good training or experience on uh, letting it go. Although I know, you know, after a while it can rub you a little raw. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that that's just, as you say, that that's been a lifetime of learning how yeah, to do yeah. that. And, and it's well, not Well, you're one it, of the few people I know that, um, can, I'm not saying you're perfect at it, but understand where people are coming from. And, and that's to be the able, key. yeah. And so but, then, yeah. you know, it's it's about them, not about you. <laughs> and, and that's right. And you yeah. stand fast on what you know to be true before yeah, God and yeah. not allow other people to define you. Yeah, yeah. And it helps to have your identity in Christ not in what you do yeah uh, yeah you know so anyway all that said uh during the week I have to uh, say one thing mike yeah. <laughs> and then i'll be real quick i always go back to what Lori said if people stay offended they have an agenda uh they get something out of it if they stay offended because Lori does not get offended easily and i think that's a real attribute yeah well She's been married to me for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> can, can I just can I just quickly ask you something real quickly? Yes, before you absolutely. Start? Sure. Uh, I, I'm just thinking about what's your objective? What was the reason for you to start this show? And what is the solution like, you know, for this show for the future? So that way, I mean, me, as far as someone who, you know, is going to pray for you, would like to know what is your objective and what's the solution? What's the outcome? What do you want out of this show? So that way, you know, the, um, the attacks, the, you know, that you get, you know, won't be in the way of it. So, uh, and I, Ra I think that way. Mm -hmm. Roshni, that is an excellent question. And let me, let me answer it in, in, you know, briefly, but in sufficient detail to address it. Um, 
this has been brewing for a long time. I've been guest hosting and, and doing specials on the station for, I don't know what, six years, Lori, I don't know, five, six years, maybe more. Um, and there have been several attempts uh, and offers for me to do a, a daily show for a long time. None of them have, have panned out. That's just radio. That doesn't bother me at all. This came mm -hmm. very swiftly all of a sudden. And uh, I, I prayed a lot about it. And God gave me a different way of looking at why I'm on the show. Uh, yes, it has it has some personal satisfaction because 40, 45 years ago, this is what my degree was in broadcasting. Okay. And I'm finally having, you know, on, on a regular commercial radio station, they've gifted me with my own show. That is, I mean, that's a dream come true for me. That's not the driving thing. However, what God pointed out to me, and I really hadn't gotten this until right before I accepted the offer. Uh, what, what God really relayed to me was, I need you to be a man of peace in a world that's full of hate. I need mm -hmm. you to be on the air and exhibit and, and reflect my character as best as I imperfectly can as a man of peace to allow people to express their opinions without crushing them, without making them feel they should feel guilty for having those opinions, and to be somewhat of a, a, of a, uh, a salve, you know, a, an ointment, a, uh, um, a bomb, a Gilead, you know, so to speak. Uh, and, and I hadn't really thought of it that way. And, and the way the, the, um, vice president of this region and, and my producer put it to me was we know who you are and we don't want you to avoid being pastor mike on the show just when it's appropriate play that card we want you to be you and you bring so many different perspectives to the mm -hmm. show you've been a cop you've been a, a fire chief you've you've you know been a magician and ventriloquist you you know you play french horn and trumpet you and and you've been in uh, you know a vocational pastor for a quarter of a century now we want you to no one else has the that they know has those perspectives we want you to bring that to the show and be a peacemaker so to speak so that people feel comfortable with you and expressing what they ever you don't need to agree with it but at you know we know you'll give them a dignified response and you'll not belittle them or, or tear them apart uh, or unreasonably affirm things that you know not to be true. So Roshni, that's a long answer your, to your question. The end game here, from what I am hearing from God, is to be a man of peace, uh, to bring God's peace to a world that needs it, undercover of the Mike Douglas show Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Okay. Does that sound? Uh, oh. you, oh, you are. I mean, thank you. 
That's awesome. And I think that's an advocate for humanity that you are, that you've been, you know, chosen by God to do that. So now you've got accountabilities behind you that what you've just mentioned to see that that is the calling that you're to live for in this world. Yeah, it, it, frankly, God, uh, God adjusted my outlook on what this was about. In, in God's opinion, and this is the way I'm hearing him, it is not about commentary on the latest politics. It's not about uh, all the news locally and giving people a voice on local. It's about, in, in scripture, they talk about the man of peace. That's what he wants me to be. And so that's why I'm here. And I'll, they've given me a, an open contract for 12 months, renewable for another 12. It's going to be however God, long God decides we're there. Uh, and uh, I don't know that. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm humbled and I'm privileged and excited to be part of it. And, uh, you know, so anyway, that's, uh, that was a really long answer to a very short question. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. All right. All right. So, Pastor Mike. All that. Yes. Pastor Mike. And I have seen that. I have never heard what all of that before. Um, I mean, I, I knew it, I guess. It's not surprising. But every program I've listened to, whether it was on Blog Talk or on the KFIV, you have been exactly that. I've never seen you. I mean, I always try to figure out what to tell, how to talk about it, the show to others, uh, to try to tell them you don't, you let them say what they have to say. <laughs> uh, and you don't put them down, you don't disagree. And you pretty much said that on your blog talk. I remember, you know, you wasn't going to do any commentary, you weren't going to give, you really don't give much of your opinion. Uh, I had several people said, well, what's his opinion? And I said, well, I might be able to know what his opinion is, but probably not because he shared it on the show, but because I've listened to him long enough <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I know what his opinion is. <laughs> you know, well, I've said before him long enough that I sort of know. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people out there who don't know me well have no idea uh what political party i'm affiliated with some of them don't even know i'm a pastor and that's fine yeah oh uh, i can guess you know. that mike <laughs> well i, I will Lee tell you if you did not say you were a pastor on the show yeah i wouldn't know you were a pastor uh well, thank so you. by the way, uh, they want advancing vibrant communities to be mentioned a lot more. Oh, um, you did a good job of mentioning it Friday. Yeah. Uh, I don't, this is not a paid yeah. gig. I get, I will get some commissions off of some advertising. Um, I'll get a little bit of, re you know, I'll get a little pocket change out of it, but it's, I'm yeah. not an employee. And so it's an interesting arrangement. But anyway, uh, thank you for all that. And, and thank you for allowing me to, to tell you about it. Well, as it. I said, my phone, 
is set on my alarm clock is set for three o'clock. <laughs> you know, Mine I too. Do that too. I want to listen. Well, I tell you what, I listened to it and it really, it is really added to my day. I well, probably at least that news. one hour a day, I feel like I'm very productive. <laughs> I'm listening <laughs> to something other than TV nonsense. <laughs> I've got well, this. And, and, and you might be everything. getting calls from a call screener saying, please call, please call. I, yeah. I need a friendly person <laughs> that I can put through. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I can't put five people ahead of you through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, thank you for all that. And, and let's let's jump into Daniel. And we're not going to get through all of chapter one today. And that's perfectly fine. Can I uh, can I share before you start, Daniel? Uh, just to bring you up to date, uh, you guys um, are important um, people um, in our family's lives. Um, the uh, The interesting thing is is that today is Sanctity of Life Sunday, as those of you know. And one of the um, one of the honors that we had was committing each of our children because they were both born in the same month. Uh, each of them to the Lord on this Sunday, uh, be it in 1990, uh, be it when Heather was three months old or when Joshua was three, three or four months old. So um, that to be said, uh, we've watched them and uh, grow and mature as believers and uh, commit their lives to the Lord. Um, Heather, in a 36-hour period, um, week before last, uh, got a, uh, three different messages uh, about a potential job off of the hill. And uh, when we were there with her in uh, just a, few, a couple weeks ago, um, we, uh, we were just very concerned that she needed to uh, get off the hill um, just for mental health. Um, physical health, and et cetera. Uh, she's not looking really, really even good. And um, God answered prayer in an incredible way. Um, she finishes the hill this week. Um, God has opened the door for her to go to a uh, secular um, um, PR firm. Um, non, um, and, um, but her clients that she will be working with there are all Christian, uh, at Compassion International, American Bible Society, and Bethany uh, Christian Homes, Bethany Services. And um, they, um, she'll, uh, it, it's an incredible opportunity. Um, we just thank the Lord um, in this time of um, real unrest in Washington um, that um, God has spared her and is moving her on. And um, we're very, very, very grateful that um, God has opened the door. And literally in the 36-hour period of time, she was hired uh, by the managing partner. And, um, and so, anyway, so thank her for your prayers. And, um, and, and we just really appreciate that as she starts this new chapter in her life. Um, and uh, so, anyway, that was just an update. Um, about our kids answer to prayer amen all right daniel one 
as we uh, as we travel through Daniel one of the of the book of Daniel. Uh, you notice the first part is dedicated uh, to Daniel's own history, so it's really an autobiography, really, because remember Daniel is is the author, as we learned last week, and the focus is on his own history and how uh, God used a seemingly disastrous moment in his life to prepare him to be one of God's greatest servants ever and to speak into the lives of thousands of people of his time, both Gentiles and, and Jews as well. So watch for that, and let's jump in here. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects out of the temple of God. And I've, I've jokingly mentioned, you know, God can use anybody, even that donkey back in uh, Numbers 22. And that's, that's Lee's favorite story, right? Lee. Yeah. <laughs> still pretty heavy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Balaam's donkey, you know, so God, God can not only use a, a donkey and, and I use that word and not the other one. Um, but you know, look, look at Nebuchadnezzar here. Nebuchadnezzar is a nasty guy. Uh, he is shrewd. He is, he is a genius, a military genius. Uh, he is highly intelligent, but he's also highly narcissistic. And I, I suspect if we were to analyze him one-on-one -on -one with a, a therapist, we could definitely say he's probably a sociopath as, as well. And so here is this guy who comes and, and he plunders uh, the temple of God and he steals its treasures and he takes it back and, and, he, and he kidnaps royalty and he destroys pretty much God's city of Jerusalem, and God allows him to do it. In fact, God permits him to do it to accomplish God's plan. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's just a reminder, uh, to me anyway, that I need to be careful about saying, well, that person or that person, you know, they, they, God can't be using them. Yay, maybe, even if they're not believers. Uh, God can use anyone. <laughs> And sometimes he uses the most, the least likely person uh, because he wants to give an opportunity to one of his people that we would not have otherwise. Uh, and, and, you know, let me use the, the radio station. You know, we were on uh, KCIV for a while. We were on KCBC for a while, both Christian stations. It is the secular station that will give us the greatest coverage. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like I said, you, and it's a matter to me of, and this has really come home to me uh, over the past year or so, I really need to pray, and we've discussed this in our pastor's prayer time, to pray to see the situations before us through God's eyes, not our yes. eyes. Yes. And to yeah. see people in front of us through God's eyes, not our eyes. And yeah. when we I do that, amazing, we can see amazing things we wouldn't see otherwise. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I, I have a question for you. Yes. Um, and I, you know, honestly, I, this is really in my heart and it's because I'm hearing this 
in the from the religious perspective okay so what you're saying yeah i believe god can use anyone you know secular people and christians all right and mm-hmm. we've seen that over and over again in the bible and so when i like go to work i always say god you know, will be done you know because i work with different personalities from different cultures from different age groups and i mean you name it i work with them all right so my perspective is always let your will be done when I go out there in the field working with so many different personalities. Mm-hmm. Now, I never say God changed their heart, but guess what? I am seeing that like with this whole thing with politics where Christians are praying for God to change particular people's hearts. I don't agree with that because God's dealing, God's, God's will is being done. He's the sovereign God. So if we're going to say that for man's perspective, I, I honestly don't agree with that. We should be saying that because God's using these people in this day and age for his purpose, right? So when you're saying that, right, um, I, I'm trying to understand when you're saying that, I agree with that. So why are we as Christians feeling that we should be praying to change a man's heart when we should be saying, let God's will be done? Because God is sovereign. Uh, yeah, I, I think the intent behind praying for heart change is that uh-huh. people will respond to God. Not well, How do we know they're not? That's the thing. Well, how do we know? Well, because I know you and I had a conversation. Know. Yeah. We, we don't know. Actually, are except, you thinking of that, it, what you told me? Yeah, about- and I'm hearing that often. And it's mind-boggling that we're saying that in our prayers because we don't know the other person's heart. We don't know what the person well, is I, in their relationship I, with God. I would disagree with you slightly. Okay. We can watch I'm open. Uh-huh. and observe. If, if someone is not reflecting godly principles, godly character... Um, if they're rejecting Christ, uh, we're obligated to pray for them. Okay. But, but, but the, the, di- the difference, and, and I, maybe this is what you're saying. I think we need to be careful about praying that people will come over to our side of political perspective. Yes. Okay. In that vein, uh, I think it's a matter of we're praying for God's will in their life that they'll respond to God, uh, not not respond to me. Uh, and I and I, I think I mentioned this last week sometime, Ann, or maybe the week before on the air. I'm not here to fix people. I learned that a long time ago. <laughs> God fixes people. I will pray for them. Uh, that they would turn their lives over to over to Christ, um, but I, I I I think we're on thin ice when we start to pray that God would give them our point of view. I want them to have God's point of view because my point of view may be mistaken. You know what I'm saying? So I, I agree with you uh, in principle, Roshni. Uh, but in terms of application, I think, you know, it, it, for, for example, this, 
I'll tell you, I don't know if I mentioned this or not, but you know, 725 this morning, a somewhat mentally disturbed people call yeah. a person called me. I tell you about that. Yes. Yeah. He's obvi he obviously needs Christ. All right. And and so I have no problem praying that that uh you know he he would respond to Christ and that God's will would, would be done in his life and and that he would be healed. I am not going to engage in the conversation and try to heal that guy. Uh, he's beyond what I can do. He's beyond what I can influence. Uh, he, he has to have heart change. Um, the Bible tells us that uh, the heart is wicked, and that comes from the Garden of Eden. We are not naturally good. We are not. Uh, we are naturally self-serving. And so it is the Holy Spirit within us that gives us the ability to have an initial reaction of sacrificing for others, uh, to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, to sacrifice something of ourselves, to see Christ's uh, influence brought into another person's life. And that's, I mean, that's one of the tenets of, of advancing vibrant communities. Um, so all to say, um, I, I think I understand what you're saying, and I hope I've answered your question. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Where, where I, if someone is rejecting Christ and they do not have, you know, Christ in them, right? You could see by their, you know, behaviors. I mean, n not just because if they don't have Christ, but I'm saying once they're rejecting and they're very aggressive, you know, against it, right? Yes, I see that. That would be a a good prayer to pray that, you know, that God, you know, work in them um, to see the truth, you know, about God. Um, and it's a very, you know, I mean, I have to ask God how to pray about that. Um, sure. Because each part is different. Only God knows the heart. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I can see that point, but you see the, the people who have good intentions and they do know God and they do believe in God and Christ. And yet we say to change their heart. I think that's very, you know, um, I honestly, I'll be straight open. I think it's condemning God in his purpose through that person for his, for God's will to be done. So I think as Christians, we're doing that lately and I'm observing that often. And I think it's very, um, I think honestly, it's condemning God when we do that. That's my, you know, thought on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, God can I use gotta, anyone. I got to be honest. I'm, I'm not following you. <laughs> um, oh, well, I, I can't go into names and stuff. That's why. But I want to just okay. say that I think when we're saying God changed someone's heart that God is using for a purpose, we have to be careful as Christians. I, that's my thought. Because God okay. can use anyone. Because when you said that, what God can use anyone, that's where yeah. I started to, you know, question and bring this to this open forum right now well and maybe we need to have a private conversation again i'm not quite following and that's me that that that's I, not I, you yeah it's just, I I'm, I'm just not i'm not getting it <laughs> okay. all right well I just don't want to be anyway. that's why okay all right um okay let's move on now here's a question that comes to my mind as an ex-cop and you know you stand firm and, 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 and you fight to defend what's right. Why did not 
King Jehoiakim put up more of a fight when Nebuchadnezzar showed up and besieged Jerusalem. He didn't put up any fight. Why is that? Well, the key to King Jehoiakim's failure to put up a significant fight is found in the, the prophetic words of Jeremiah. And let me just go to Jeremiah 25, around verse 8 right here, and, and read this. This is important because it gives us some background on why there was no resistance in Jerusalem when Nebuchadnezzar came and invaded it. This is Jeremiah again. Jeremiah 25, beginning verse 8. And now the Lord of heaven's army says, Because you have not listened to me, I will gather together all the armies of the north under King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, whom I have appointed as my deputy. God deputized this reprobate. Isn't that interesting? I will bring them all against this land and its people and against the surrounding nations. I will completely destroy you and make you an object of horror and contempt and a ruin forever. I will take away your happy singing and laughter. The joyful voices of bridegrooms and brides will no longer be heard. Your mile, your millstones will fall silent, and the lights of your homes will go out. This entire land will become a, a desolate wasteland. Israel and her neighboring lands will serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. All right, so King Jehoiakim knew the jig was up. He had heard the prophecies of Jeremiah. He knew that there was no point in fighting God's judgment upon Judah. And uh, to use the uh, illustration here, uh, and, and forgive me for being a little bit carnal, but it's one of my favorite movies, 1996 Star Trek First Contact. Our heroes on the Starship Enterprise have encountered this feared kind of half-human, half-robotic race enemy called the Borg. And if you're a Star Trek fan, you probably remember the Borg, right? All right. This is how that went down when Captain Picard and his crew met the Borg. Here's what the Borg said. We are the Borg. Lower your shields and surrender your ships. We will add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our own. Your culture will adapt to serve us. Here's the line. I can tell Anne knows it. Resistance is futile. Resistance is futile. For Jehoiakim, he knew, because of the prophecies of Jeremiah, that resisting Nebuchadnezzar was futile. So that's why Nebuchadnezzar uh, swept in there fine and dandy and basically took Jerusalem down with no resistance because the king, Jehoiakim, knew that this was God's punishment and that this is what, uh, what was going to happen. But, and remember, God always provides an opportunity for redemption. We hear Jeremiah also saying in verse 12, Then, after 70 years of captivity are over, I will punish 
the king of Babylon and his people for their sins, says the Lord. I will make the country of Babylonians a wasteland forever. I will bring upon them all the terrors I have promised in this book, all the penalties announced by Jeremiah against the nations. Many nations and great kings will enslave the Babylonians, just as they enslaved my people. I will punish them in proportion to the suffering they cause my people. So God uses Nebuchadnezzar to sweep in and besiege Jerusalem. Uh, the, the, the bad guy Nebuchadnezzar being used to prepare the good guy Daniel for a powerful God assignment. <clears throat> God's ways are not our ways. Aren't they? I mean, sometimes I, I and, and that's why it's good that God is God and, and the rest of us aren't. So Nebuchadnezzar took them, and, and them means treasures from the temple of God, took these treasures back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. All right, now who or what is Nebuchadnezzar's God? Well, we don't know precisely, but we suspect it was a god named Marduk, who was not Marmaduke, but Marduk, the chief god of all Babylonians. But Nebuchadnezzar not only brought artifacts back from the temple of God, he brought people back from Jerusalem after that first incursion there. And one of them was Daniel. And as we noted in the introduction to Daniel, Daniel was nobility. He was of noble blood, and so his capture was significant. And remember that Daniel was, was very handsome, uh, very intelligent, had a command presence. I mean, he's, he's a born leader, if there ever was one. He had that uh, command presence. Now, the reason, and I, can you give me another one or two minutes? Yep, I know we're at three. Let me do one or two minutes, and then we'll, we'll close. Um, a question is, why take these nobles captive? Why take Daniel and, and these other men captain, uh, captive? Uh, a couple of possibilities, uh, two that strike me, and, and both may be true. One is taking a, a nobleman like Daniel captive can provide a hostage-type advantage. In other words, if Nebuchadnezzar is looking to get something, he's got their noble has, uh, hostage, and uh, perhaps he can, uh, with that hostage taken, get what he wants. I think the more likely scenario is Nebuchadnezzar wasn't stupid, may have been a sociopath uh, and, and mentally off, but he wasn't stupid. He was very intelligent, a military genius, and he may have seen the potential of molding this, this handsome, well-educated, charismatic leader, Daniel, into one of his administrators uh, to, to lead in his administration. So it would seem, as uh, we read verses 3 and 5, and, and we'll close there for today, that the latter motivation is probably uh, foremost in King Nebuchadnezzar's mind. He sees Daniel as someone who would be beneficial to him as a leader. And so, as we'll see, he's going to engage in what he thinks is the process of brainwashing Daniel uh, to make him uh, one, of, one of his. 
All right. So let me read uh, three through five, and then uh, we'll start to unpack three through five next week. Then the king ordered Ashperaz, uh, the chief of his staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, Nebuchadnezzar said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens, and they were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter their royal service. And basically, that education was going to uh, include probably agriculture, architecture, astrology, astronomy, law, mathematics, and, and language. And so Nebuchadnezzar uh, rightly sees Daniel as a brilliant leader, and Nebuchadnezzar is going to try to um, take away Daniel's identity and make Daniel into what Nebuchadnezzar wants Daniel to be. And we're going to find out what happens with the rest of the story on, on that particular score. All right. So we'll begin uh, next week. We'll unpack uh, the verses we just read. And then uh, very interesting. We're going to really, I'm going to pick apart how, how brilliantly Nebuchadnezzar thinks he's going to take the identities away from these men and mold them into what he wants them to be. And, and we just see Daniel standing fast. And when we're in and, and, and this, especially in today's world, we're not called to attack. We're called to stand firm in a defensive position. And scripture promises that if we stand firm in the light, that the enemy will eventually flee because he can't coexist in the light. Okay. So that's what's up ahead, and uh, I will I will not have I will not waste so much time at the beginning on other things. Next week we'll get right to it, and uh, so uh, I'm excited about Daniel and, and look forward to uh, to next week. Any uh, any quick questions before we close today? No, it's sometimes it's nice to share, Mike. It's wonderful to hear Daniel, but in the beginning it was nice to to share, like hear about Heather and. Uh, you know, little things and like what Ann was saying, but I got a lot out of this message. I really did uh, about standing firm, just what you said, not being uh, aggressive. Um, right. It was a, it was a nice message. And also, um, you know, not uh, uh, what you said on the radio show about, um, you know, not having a big agenda. Right. Yeah. How old yeah. was Daniel? You don't mind me asking. Yes, uh, good question. Uh, you've had two good questions today already, Roxanne. I right? always do. Don't. Ask me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, we <laughs> we figure yes, yeah, yeah, we figure that Daniel was probably sixteen. Uh, you think about the process that the Jewish boys went through. 
and when they became of age, you know, 15 to 16. Um, and if you, if you backdate it, and, and this is towards the end of, of next week's lesson, but Cyrus, when he comes and he sets the, the captives free, remember he defeats uh, Babylon and, and Nebuchadnezzar uh, in 539 uh, BC. If you backdate things, uh, figuring Daniel was in, was in his mid 80s, probably 85 or 86 when Cyrus came, uh, he's probably around age 16 right now. And we have to remember wow. back then, mm -hmm. 16 year olds were way more mature yeah. than yeah. a lot of our 16 year olds. Well, they were married. Well, several were married by then, right? Right. Well, look at Mary, the mother of Jesus. Yeah you know yeah. uh, with what 12 13 14 something well mid-teens mid anyway yeah um so anyway yeah good question so he's about 16 years old uh but he he's gone through all of his uh theological training he's you know gone through i don't take care of which one you want okay my earphone just the, came back I, about something about 21 <laughs> I go, Daniel, I mean, honestly, in that culture, too, you have to, you know, I could understand uh, very much that culture because the Indian culture is there's a level, you know, that they push you for, you know, you grow up, you just don't have a choice too, right? So because they get mm -hmm. married at young and then you have to grow up, you know, because that's part of life uh, in our culture, you know, in the old school, right? But I'm sure in India, it's still happening that way, too. But I could see this, you know, at that age, because I went to Israel and I saw the teaching, the way they're doing the young people, the young ones. I mean, it's so beautiful in the synagogues that they teach them in such an early age. And it's just that training that they go through, through their life. Um, and it shows that they have a maturity level that's very, you know, different too than the culture that we live in now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good, good observation. All right, any other questions now that I can hear? <laughs> okay, uh, let's see. John, are you still there? All right. Uh, Roshni, how about, uh, would you close in prayer today? Anyone needs prayer real quick, Lord, that I could just pray before I end? I just uh, want to pray for someone who needs really deep prayer or something short. No? Okay. So I'll just close then. Our Father, we just are gracious to you, God, that we still have, you know, the technology to be able to do this gathering and understand little aspects of Daniel. I know Michael Douglas know more about this because he's spending so much time and, um, and his time is so, you know, valuable because he's got a lot of things going on in his life as well. But Lord, you have given him the spirit of knowledge and wisdom to understand Daniel and the, you know, the aspects of, you know, what's involved uh, of Daniel's life, just like we saw this study actually not saw but read you know into revelations and how much time he took father god in understanding um the details of revelation he brought it to life to us 
And I see that Michael Douglas is going to do that just, you know, as he did with Revelations. And, you know, just bless him, Father God, for what he's doing. You know, studying the word of God is so precious. And um, it's so important, you know, because that's the food for our life. But yet there's so much history that we could learn from and grow from. And I just pray that you use Michael Douglas in a mighty, mighty way of this new chapter of um, the uh, media that he's getting involved in, in this talk show. I pray that you put a hedge of protection over him. I pray that, Lord God, that the armor of your armor be a shield around him, Father God. Um, and I just pray that all that, you know, armor, that breastplate, all that ingredients that goes into that, Lord, that you are, you are protecting him with that um, armor around his show, uh, around the people that's going to be working in the show, Lord. And I pray, Father God, that these people who um, are out there that might attack him, Lord, um, you know, it just only strengthens, Father God. Um, I just pray that, that it will only strengthen Michael Douglas, Lord God, and um, not take it personal and be that man of peace that you have called him to be in this world, Father God. I pray this over him, and I pray for our team of uh, listeners and protect them and watch over them throughout the week, Lord God. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.